Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Let's shut up and grab some tape. You think you know? Do you think they notice? I don't know. I, I think he looks great over there. So, as you can see, Brooks is not here. If you've been watching the show throughout the week, you saw we didn't have a show Monday night. He was sick with the flu. Tuesday night had to cut it early because you know just wasn't feeling good. Wasn't feeling Jordan energy up to the flu game. So Wednesday he decided I'm done suffering alone. I'm going to get the rest of my family sick, which means that today it's just the two of us, me and Jay Will. But it's still MBR. It's still the same format we've always done. As a matter of fact, Brooks is still upstairs, probably watching the show right now. So if things start to go wrong, he'll come down here and take over and kick us out. So <laughs> we're walking on eggshells right now. But happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome in. We got a loaded show for you tonight. Is Jeff Halfley, how alarming is this news? Did this player help or hurt his draft stock during the Senior Bowl? And what are some players and other players helping their draft stock? And is Kalen DeBoer burning bridges left and right? That's what we got going on for you tonight in the NBR. Jay Will, how you feeling, buddy? Doing good. We also got some more betting news. You know, Kayshawn Booty could not be in the news alone by himself. We, this time it's a head coach. It is the former, ah, yeah. I think it's former now, Alabama baseball coach. Maybe even a crazier story, if you ask me. This one was absolutely insane. Can't wait to share that one and talk about that one. So yeah, I'm absolutely excited about what we got going on tonight. Real dumb and dumber situation going on there. But before we do any of that, we got to pay the bills. I'm not sure that you've heard, but there's a bill in the state of Georgia going to the front of the house right now. Make sports gambling legal. We'll have more on that in the local hour. But who even gambles anymore? Prize picks is the best way to play daily fantasy sports games where you can get a shitload of money. What? Did we turn the live on? Is it on? I don't think so. Ah, hang on. Jay Will's not the lab on. Brooks is so mad at you. Either way, Prize Picks is the best way to win daily fantasy sports games, and you win a shitload of money using promo code Brooks. You sign up, that means you get a hundred dollar, up to a hundred dollar bonus on whatever your deposit is. That means you make first deposit; it's matched by Prize Picks, whatever. So if you put a hundred dollars in, guess what? You get a free hundred dollars. That means guess what? Call your dad up. Say, Dad, I need $100 for this textbook. Boom. Right there, you just got another free $100 for prize picks. Now, what did that cost you? Absolutely nothing except the trust and love from your father, which honestly is worth $100 to some of you. So, did you get it fixed? Jay Will's got it. Don't worry, guys. It's all good. Either way. So Jeff Halfley, 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 it's Halfley, right? Halfley, yeah, I believe, with an A. So he has announced that he will be taking the defensive coordinator position with the Green Bay Packers. And if you're wondering who the hell that is, he was the head coach at Boston College prior to taking this job, which is weird because you almost never go from head coach to coordinator, whatever the position is. So I hear Brooks rumbling around. He's coming. Oh, <laughs> He's dude, coming we messed out. up already. Dang it. We only got like five hey, we got minutes four in. minutes in. Um, interesting itself because I mean this is kind of something we've talked about in college football in general. Hello, boss man. You're good, bro. 
Keep going. All right. Appreciate it. Um, so anyways, yeah, I mean, this is kind of something that we have talked about in college football before, like kind of hinting at like the grind in itself, the schedule in itself and everything of itself in college in today's world of college football is harder on coaches. You know, it's tough on them. And so it's kind of been a talking point of at some point, are we going to start seeing coaches start flood to the NFL or just simply, you know, hang it up? Maybe, you know, maybe that kind of had something to do with Nick Saban retiring. I think it had more so to do with his age and the current climate of college football. But this one's definitely interesting. And then we've kind of had some more names after to even um, in the midst of the news today that have potentially going to the NFL. Like Chip Kelly was one that we just heard before getting mm-hmm. on the show of him potentially going to be the offensive coordinator for the commander. So it's certainly a big talking point in college football. And just, I mean, it's going to be something that we continue to talk about every time one of these coaches decides to go to the NFL. So let me read you a little clip, or not even a clip, but it's the quote from this ESPN article on the news. Quote, he wants to coach football again in a league that's all about football, source told ESPN. Coaching college has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. A lot of things that he went back to college for have disappeared. So it's basically confirming that the reason he left Boston College was because he was just burnt out on all the semantics, all the politics that you have in college coaching. You have to deal with NIL. You have to deal with all the other things. Yeah, I mean, it's something that Brooks mentioned when he went to the state championship games this year in Georgia of, like, these coaches are constantly on their phone. They're constantly having to talk to their players, constantly having to please a bunch of people on the NIL front. That doesn't even dig into what you have to do on the recruiting trail. I mean, this wasn't even a head coach, right? This is an offensive coordinator for Boston College, so it's not even the head man of a program. So I think it's definitely a big thing to talk about. It, it I, I mean, it's just one example, really, that we've kind of heard someone come out and say – Like, this is what I was dealing with, and I just had to get out of it. But I think it's something that you're probably going to start hearing more about for sure here moving forward. So, Brooks just said probably change the batteries in the lab. So, if you want to do that real quick, I'll... I did it pre-show. Either way. But if you think about this for a minute, think about this for a minute. Nick Saban retires. Jim Harbaugh leaves the NFL. Jeff Halfley is now leaving to be coordinator in the NFL. Chip Kelly might be leaving UCLA. So, that's four coaches that are at fairly big-name schools that are fairly prompt... at fairly predominant programs. And you have to wonder, is there the coincidence, the fact that we're going to a 12-team playoff, the fact that NIL is becoming more and more of a play, the fact that conference realignment is happening. So it's something to look at and think of, where's this future of college football? Because Kirby Smart warned about this two years ago where, hey, you're going to start seeing a lot of really, really good coaches get tired of what they're doing now because of all the shit they have to put up with. So it's very interesting for me to see that it's starting to happen now and coaches are openly admitting it like, hey, yeah, I'm tired of not being able to just coach a football team. I don't want to have to deal with NIL. I don't want to have to deal with all the other things that have come with it and the way the game has adapted in the last five years. I mean, think about think about 2017 college football, how different it looked from today. Not even conference alignment, not even playoff format, just NIL and transfer portal, things such as that. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's been a rapid change. I mean, I, I would say it's been kind of a gradual change, but it's also been a very rapid change of – in the sense of one day college football was this way, pay for play, NIL wasn't a thing, and then it suddenly changed. And it I wouldn't say it felt it was forced or anything like that, but it was definitely just kind of like, hey, this is now a thing. Like, this is what we got going on now. This is that play. And now it's kind of taking a while for college football to adapt a little bit. And it's kind of now we're in the conversation of what rules do we need to implement? Like, now the transfer portal windows exist where you can be in the transfer portal, you can enter the transfer portal at this time, and this time you can't. So, I mean, 
I think eventually the sport is going to continue to adapt like it always has. Um, I think it is still in a good position. I mean, people still love college football. I wouldn't say it's going to harm. I just say it's, you know, one of those things that you got to continue to adjust to. But I would also say that obviously some coaches and some people just aren't going to adjust to it. And they're just going to say, I got to move on from this because this is what's best for me. And that's okay. I mean, there's tons of coaches. There's so many people involved in college football that you can't possibly keep everybody around. Well, I mean, the question is you ask is how do you make this? How do you make life easier on being a college football coach? Because I mean, those guys work 366 days a year out of 365. Yeah. It seems like they never stop. Like I've talked to people within the UGA organization. It's like we are constantly working. There's one week off in the dead period, but other than that, it's constant work. And I feel like that's never really going to change. And you add all these components in. Yeah, the league's going to adjust. Yeah, NIL is going to eventually balance out to what it should be. Yeah, the transfer portal is going to reset the market in some ways. Conference alignment's eventually going to re- stop. But you still are going to have the workload. Now, I don't know how you necessarily make that easier on college coach. And, I mean, part of that is also you've got a lot of driven guys in there that want to win. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and even in these dead periods of recruiting or, like, when Kirby Smart is on vacation or any of these coaches are taking time with their family, it probably never truly feels like you're just isolated away from the game of college ball. I mean, you got 85 scholarship athletes on your roster plus however many walk-ons plus however many coaches, personnel on your staff. And those personnel and staff, they certainly help carry the load for you a little little bit but I mean when you're managing that many people when you are the head guy I mean it's it's there's never really a moment in time probably where you feel like you're you're stepping away from it or getting any sort of time away from it because I mean it's in their DNA it's in their nature to just always be consumed with college football I mean that's why Kirby Smart is the greatest in college football right now and there's why good coaches are good coaches because they're constantly working at their own craft they're constantly working at trying to make their program better yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting to think about how quickly things have changed, though, to yeah. me. Like, you lose Jim Harbaugh, you lose Nick Saban, yeah. you lose, like, th- like if you made a top five list of coaches last year, three or four of those guys aren't even on, on the roster anymore, or roster, even in college anymore, so. Yeah, I mean, and then you throw in, like, Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer was on nobody's radar this time last year, and now, I mean, people are going as far as to say that he's the third best head coach in college football now. I can't really remember a time where in offseason we saw these many like main figures in the sport either depart or retire or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of them, a lot of big names. So more of them are going to continue to build. Like a, like I just mentioned, Kalen DeBoer, that's kind of someone that's inserted his name into the conversation now because of what he did at Washington. And, of course, having the head coaching gig at Alabama always helps. But, I mean, a whole lot of change going on in college ball this offseason, and more of it's going to happen um, throughout the season this year as well. Yeah, so moving on to Kalen DeBoer, and I feel like that's a good segue. Did you see this clip of him trying to get in a picture with Michael Penny? I saw one of the clips, and I thought, I, I, the only thing I was like, that's really weird. But I, I, it's kind of hard to tell what exactly is, was going on in that clip. Like, I see him swipe away his arm, but I don't know. What did you – to me, it seemed like a step aside. Maybe it's because he got the Bama gear on. Yeah, I don't know. I would definitely need to see more of that clip because, I mean, it's only a three-second clip yeah. where basically he puts his arm around and Michael Penn kind of pushes it away and Ken LeBoer kind of steps back like, huh, okay. But it, it is interesting, and when you put it in the context that he basically up and left Washington after the national championship to go join Bama, he, he kind of, in a way, I don't want to say betray, but just abandoned that team. So – I, I'm sure Michael Penix doesn't have any any ill will for what he did while he was there, but you can probably look back and look at other teammates and at guys that got left in the dust and kind of just go like, Whoa. yeah, I guess. But at the same time, why would Mike? Why should Michael Penix care? In a, in a, that's kind of how I view it. Like I don't know why he would have any haste or ill 
ill feelings towards Kalen DeBoer because, I mean, Kalen DeBoer helped him more than anybody, arguably, throughout his career, and he got him to the point that he is now. Again, I think it was probably just a thing of, like, dude, you got Alabama gear on. You can't be in my pictures now. Like, that, uh, maybe just some tough love or some – I don't know. But it was definitely interesting to, you know, see that action happen, see him swipe away his arm. It's certainly a good laugh at least. It, it's going to be interesting to see in three to four years how if Kalen DeBoer does succeed or does not succeed at Alabama – how much writing is going to, quote, be on the wall for what's led up to it? Because, I mean, you've seemingly burnt a bunch of bridges in Washington now. You're going over to a place where you've really never had experience, and you have to be able to build bridges up and make connections. And that's something that he's rumored to be struggling with right now. I mean, you look at his Washington – his offensive coordinator might be going back to Washington to coach the Seattle Seahawks. So. Yeah, yeah, that's another name we didn't even mention in that conversation of coaches potentially going off to the NFL, Ryan Grubbs. <laughs> I mean, what what a storyline that would be if he leaves Washington, goes to Alabama, and maybe his time at Alabama is a month and a half, if that, and he's already going to go off to maybe be the offensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks. But I think one thing that would be revealed about Alabama is it, uh, if Kalen DeBoer does indeed – struggle a little bit with the Crimson Tide is we we would definitely get a glimpse of just how good is that Alabama job when there's not all this lust and lore around the program like if it got to a point where they're like okay it's time to move on things just didn't work out with DeBoer we would really get a good sense of where that program stands I mean obviously if it was getting to the point where it struggled it would impact it a little bit because I mean again part of what makes Alabama so great is the talent that they're able to bring in and the recruiting that they do but at that point it probably means that you weren't recruiting and you weren't bringing in a whole lot of talent so I mean it kind of strip it down to just the foundation of the program and I don't know if you'd get the same names that were interested in it of the first time around or acted like they were interested in at least the second time around but I would imagine so I think being connected to the SEC being um, where they are in the in the United States um, proximity to talent and all that stuff I think that's always going to help them but I think it's definitely going to create this transition of we now know exactly how good of a job that Alabama head coaching gig is yeah a couple of standouts from the senior bowl who's impressed you the most I know you probably haven't been able to watch it but just from clips you've seen and what you've heard who do you think is kind of upping their stock so far. I mean, there's one guy that's kind of obvious, and it's it started a, a Twitter war pretty much, but we'll oh, get yeah. into that in the local hour. But who do you think has kind of really helped their draft stock here? I, I've got a couple. The first one that came to mind for me was Spencer Rattler, and I just want to talk about, like, watching Spencer, specifically over the last year, watching him grow as a player, grow on the field, grow off the field. Like, every time I watch a clip of Spencer Rattler talking to the media or doing any sort of interview, I feel like I come away impressed with him as a human being. He just sounds so mature. He gives all the right answers. and He's got a good head above his shoulders, and I think that's kind of helped him tap into all this potential and talent that we all knew were there. I mean, regardless of what you want to say about the documentary that he was in about how what his character was or anything like that. Like we six all, years ago. Now. Yeah, we all knew how talented he was though I mean you watch him on the football field and you could tell like gosh that guy's so freaking talented and the fact that he transferred to South Carolina a situation that was wasn't very stable didn't have a lot of great things going on offensive line was putrid for him throughout this last season he was getting hit on basically every single play but the fact that he played at the level that he did he was still super impressive and he just continued to put his best foot forward and he still continues to do that for the Gamecocks and for himself I've been impressed with him throughout this whole year, but specifically at the Senior Bowl. I mean, anything you read about him, it's been impressive. People say he's been the best quarterback. I think he's done a lot for his draft stock. Yeah, my guy is Bo Nix. I mean, you think about the trajectory of Bo Nix's career where four years ago, basically him winning the Heisman 
was a meme at the point where it's like he's having fun. This is the year. Bo Nix is winning the Heisman. Uh, to now, basically, he's essentially to some. I think people, I just heard Brooks groan upstairs when you said that. Yeah, hey, Bo Nix had a good year, man. Sorry, <laughs> no, but he's essentially climbed his way into a potential first round spot, and if everything that's coming out of his Senior Bowl is that. He's flying with passing with flying colors. I've seen there's been a couple of underthrown balls on social media, yeah. but you're gonna have those. I think the fact that you look at 2019 Bonix, 2020 Bonix, 2021 Bonix, and then if you told someone, hey, 2023 he's gonna have the highest completion percentage, he's gonna be in the thick of a Heisman race. I mean, he's a win over Washington away from possibly winning. Yeah. I mean, he went to New York. Yeah. Which, which in of itself was kind of crazy. So I think Bo Nix has really helped this stock because he was kind of a fringe second-round guy, but mm. there might be someone in the first round that takes him. It could be the Atlanta Falcons. So. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely reports about them taking on Bo Nix. Uh, the only thing with Bo Nix for me is, given that he has played college football for so long, it's hard to, to look at Bo Nix and say, well, this is a guy that we're going to stow away maybe for a season or two and let him develop. It's like – well, at this point in your career, how much more can you actually develop in your game? If you're not ready to come into the NFL now and be our starter, we're not sure you're really ever going to be a star. What the heck happened right yeah, there? I don't know. Just keep going. Um, what did you think about his comments, though? He made a comment today saying that he claims both Auburn and Oregon. It seemed like to me, based on what I read, that Auburn fans were like, well, we don't claim you, so don't worry about claiming us. But this – idea of a player claiming both schools like you know we get in this conversation a lot of does Ohio State get to claim Joe Burrow at all or anything like that these transfer quarterbacks that kind of spend multiple seasons at one school they go off to the other school and they have immense immense success and everybody wants you know Jalen Hurts another example of this of does Alabama get to claim him does he claim Alabama how do you feel about Bo Nix saying like well I claim both of them I claim being a tiger and a duck this is the equivalent of if Joe Burrow played two seasons at Ohio State and it just never worked out and he flamed out and went to LSU. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that Ohio State claims him was because he had a successful career. I think Bo Nix is doing that. One, because he did grow up an Auburn fan. Like, Auburn was his dream school. The, that was the, the legend around it, the legend of Bo Nix, his freshman year. So, I mean, I think he truly does love Auburn, but he had his most successful years at Oregon. Doing that, I think, is just also to appease both sides. Like, oh, no, you know, I, I claim both sides. You know, I, I played for both these teams. I love them both. So... I don't have a problem with him claiming both sides. I'm sure Auburn fans don't really want him to say, "Oh, you know," yeah, because they didn't. He didn't have a lot of success on them, but no. I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, if, if a guy wants to claim your school, like you said, especially since he, I mean, his dad played there, and then him growing up an Auburn fan. I mean, I feel like it's hard for him not to say that he claims Auburn in some capacity. I do think it is funny though. That at the prior to the beginning of the season, we were all making jokes and laughing at the Bo Nix ad in New York. The bodacious for, ad. The dude, bodacious he a billboard. Ad, he had a freaking billboard in New York. Manifested it himself, saying that I mean they had the billboard going, the bodacious Heisman campaign going. Everybody laughed at it because it's Bo Nix, Bo Picks, whatever you want to call him. And then now at the end of the season, he was. You're right. He was right in the thick of it. Um, definitely helped himself out. Got into a good position over there at Oregon. I think. Oregon fans are definitely forever grateful for him because, I mean, he helped elevate that program to another standard along with Dan Lanning and, you know, just came up a couple games short of potentially going in the college football playoff. And I think a lot of people would have taken them in the college football playoff because they had a good thing going, even though they lost to Washington in the middle of the year. They still had a lot of momentum going. I mean, they were playing the best football in the Pac-12 up there until the very end, but Washington just proved to still be the better team when it counted most. Bo Nix or Spencer Rattler has a better NFL career. Mm. I, I mean, at this point, you got to start betting on traits, and if that's the case, then I'm definitely going Spencer Rattler. I, I, for me, what continues to stand out about Spencer Rattler is the fact that 
the situation that he was, if you can turn that situation into a really good season, if you can still put up really good numbers in a situation where, you're, again, your offensive line wasn't very good and there, there's just a lot of bad going on around you, then I think you have a great shot or a higher, a higher chance of succeeding or succeeding in the NFL compared to someone like Bo Nix. Bo Nix is just, again, like I said, at this point in Bo Nix's career, if NFL teams are continuing to view him and say, maybe not a guy that comes in right now and starts for us, but maybe a guy later on down the road, I don't know if you're ever going to get that later on down the road version of Bo Nix in the NFL because he played five years of college football. He has the most starts and he has more starts than anybody in college football history. So I feel like you've kind of already hit your ceiling as an athlete at this point. Obviously, hmm. the NFL is a little different than college football, but I don't know if there's this a lot more room to grow. Where Spencer, I still feel like maybe he hasn't fully tapped into that ceiling that he has. Yeah, if you're just now joining us and you're wondering where the hell Brooks is, he's over there. Don't worry. Oh, she, what the, what happened oh, to him? Dude, I think I, I, think I knocked asleep, him over. Brooks is asleep on the chair over there, as you can see. Rest but, up, buddy. That's all right. We're, yeah, we're he's still, still not feeling great, but... But no, he's upstairs taking care of his family. He got them all sick, so shout out to him. I do have a question, though, about, about pro days. And, and I kind of have an answer, and I kind of understand this, but why is it you see athletes opt out of bowl games because of the threat of injuries and you get injured that pretty much derails your draft stock? But then they go and they compete in exhibition games and multiple drills and contact drills for a long weekend in the Pro Bowl or the, the Senior Bowl. I don't understand that. And I do somewhat understand because, oh, you know, not a live game, not not as much. It's more of like the Pro Bowl environment where you're just doing drills, you're trying to impress scouts. But if you don't think scouts are coming to bowl games or they've already watched all 14 of your games prior to that, I don't understand that. Do you, do you have a reason behind that? I mean, I guess one thing that I, you could mention is that for the majority, they are in shorts and shoulder pads. It's not full-on contact. Um, unless you're yeah. obviously a defensive lineman or offensive lineman, where it's full go every single rep. I mean, we saw one of the clips, um, I think it was the other day that happened of, you know, sometimes tempers flare and whatnot. But yeah, I think it is just the amount of exposure that you can get from the Senior Bowl. That is, I, I think it is a lot more beneficial for you to go attend that event and go play in the Senior Bowl because, I mean, we're seeing it now. I mean, you make one good play, you're mm -hmm. viral on social media, everybody's talking about you, and it only takes that one play for people to really talk about you. The group think theory that Brooks mentioned the other day of like, one guy starts talking about you and the whole group starts talking about you. Yeah. And that's it for you. I mean, your name starts taking off. Um, so I think it is a lot more beneficial to play in the senior bowl. Plus like, I think it's in a setting where people hold a lot more value to that because you're competing against other people that are pushing for the NFL. Whereas in bowl games, you're kind of getting a mixture of a lot of different things. Like maybe a freshman that hasn't played all year, but now he has to play because his um, the guy ahead of him opted out and is uh, for the NFL draft. So I think it's just that. And I th again, I don't think people hold a lot of value in the bowl games anymore. I don't know if scouts do or not. It certainly can't hurt yourself to have one last good showing in a college football setting in a bowl game. But I mean, I think we're sh I think we are seeing this week of how impactful the Senior Bowl truly is. Yeah, for sure. It, it's just interesting to me that you know you're not immune to injuries in in the Senior Bowl. Like we've seen it happen before. We've seen guys go down and get season-ending injuries. I don't understand why there's so much emphasis play placed on you know not playing in a bowl game. Well, like you said, it doesn't matter as much where yeah. you can honestly take a few plays off in a bowl game. I'm not recommending that you do that, <laughs> but we have seen it before. Where it's like, oh, that guy's clearly just going through the motions yeah. here. He's checked out. But you were talking about a guy that uh, potentially hurt his draft stock at this bowl game. <laughs> what did you did you see this? Uh, what is it, Jordan Jefferson clip? 
is it Jordan Jefferson? I think it is. I think it is Jordan Jefferson. I think so you're right. Basically, Out of LSU. it's one-on-ones with – I'm trying to remember who the offensive line I is. I can't remember who it was. Um, I didn't recognize the logo, I don't even think. But if you've ever been on the offensive line doing one-on-ones, which I haven't, sorry, there is a brief moment after the whistle blows where you can either stop – or keep going, and if you keep going, it almost always ends in a fight. And they're fun to watch. As a former skill player, it's a lot of fun to watch two big boys just go at it. But Jordan Jefferson and whoever he was going against begin fighting, and he takes the helmet off of a player and throws it into the, not crowd, but the line, the group of players Another standing universe. behind him. Yeah, I mean, you, the helmet goes <laughs> off camera. So I'm wondering, is that something that an NFL scout looks at goes, Hell yeah, that boy's got heart. He's got the dog in him. Or is that uh, this guy's not professional at all? Okay, Brooks is saying the offensive lineman is from UConn. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's kind of maybe a little bit of both. I, I definitely view it as like, ooh, that dude's got some nasty to him at least. Maybe that's probably something you definitely want down in the trenches for you, fighting for you every single down. But at the same time, like – I mean, we saw it with the Baltimore Ravens last week. You can't you can't have penalties like that in football games. You mm-hmm. can't have guys losing control of their emotions. The emotions got the best of the Baltimore Ravens in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And every single time they maybe had a big play happen, it seemed like they kept shooting themselves in the foot because a guy couldn't control his emotions. So I think it's something that you kind of have a, a, a double-edged sword to it a little bit, yeah. like – that's a plus, but at the same time, like we kind of have to, like we maybe we have to go back and check, like was this a regular thing with him? Was this something that LSU had to monitor with him throughout his career in college? Um, so I think it both benefits you and harm you. Um, I guess it really just depends on the type of person. Yeah, you are. I mean, if um, and the more I think about it, if George Pickens can throw a grown man into a brick wall and still be a second round pick, I think that you can probably get away with throwing a guy's helmet. Yeah, but it probably isn't anything that's going to help you. I don't think that's going to have someone go, oh my God, write that down. Look what that play he just write made. Down, write that down. Yeah, SpongeBob meme. <laughs> so we talked about Kalen DeBoer. This is probably the craziest story to come out of. Oh, you didn't have any more senior bowl guys? Who do we have? I had, I mean, obviously the number one is Lab McConkey, but I didn't want to blow that. Yeah, away. I mean, he's definitely, I had a couple more on my list yeah. that I mentioned. Um, the Quinion, Quinion, I guess is how you pronounce it. Quinion Mitchell. They're saying that he may have cemented himself as potentially the number one defensive back cornerback out of the draft class. And what a week for him to go out there and perform because, you know, coming into the draft, a lot of the talk, of course, is about Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry and Arnold, those two big names. And so for him to come out there in a setting where a lot of those other top defensive back prospects, I mean, Kamari Lasseter's not there either, for him to go out there and really etch it. I mean, we see, right, this is a prime example of just how important the senior bowl can be for you because, I mean, he might have just gave himself – five, ten men, ten million more dollars than he would have had if mm-hmm. he didn't attend this event. I mean, he's been one of the top talked about um, defensive players this week. seems like every single rep. Now, again, I think this is also something you have to be careful with the Senior Bowl is that you are just seeing singular clips. You're maybe not seeing an athlete's entire day. But if, if people are talking about players the way that they're talking about Mitchell, I mean, if, obviously he's showing out more than a lot of defensive players. And I think to show out in an event like this where it is hard to be a defensive back in some of these drills, I mean, you get put in some really tough situations. And a lot of the clips that I've seen of him have been him just dogging on people, locking yeah. them down. And he seems to have that alpha personality that you really want a defensive back. And he certainly have, has made himself a lot of money this week. Dude, we got a super chat. Do we really? Are we doing that good, or is it just you feel bad for us? But DGD Podcast says, I like this concept. Great job, guys. Free sub. So 
that'll be sorted out with Brooks. So whoever's watching patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. If you want to hop in on that action, then yeah, that's the actually, place to be. It's actually a lot of fun. There's a fun chat, a lot of fun things you can do. You can get a Brooks out of context chat room, which is literally just Brooks saying sus shit, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Actually, I post in that regularly. You know, but, I have people ask me about that all the time. Like, when we're doing our show or whatever, and they're like, when Brooks says things like that, like, what do you and Christian do? And I'm like, well, usually it's Christian starts giggling and he looks at me and then we both just sit over here giggling while Brooks is trying to finish his point. So you kind of just got a glimpse of what Brooks has to deal with on a daily basis with us making fun of him, poking fun of him while he's trying to do business. I'll tell you exactly what I do. Anytime he says something, I look down at my phone, I take a screenshot of the time and I mark that as a timestamp as to when he said that in the episode. Then I go back and screen record it when I go home. Yeah, he cuts up the clips on the car ride home and we, we giggle about it for about the next hour until we approach our final destination. So, yeah, so. Um, another name that I had on my list of Senior Bowl standouts, um, Ricky Pearsall. Yeah, that was one I had. Uh, he's I kind of put him in the Spencer Rattler realm of like in a really, really crappy situation. I mean, just not a whole lot of bright spots on that roster, but Ricky certainly was a bright spot. I mean, he arguably made the most impressive play and during the college football season this last year with that one-handed catch over I the middle of the field. That. that was absolutely insane. I mean, talking about putting respect on us white boy names, that he definitely oh, did that one for us. So appreciate you for showing respect to the community. Um, oh, man. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, how could you not be impressed with a guy like that though? I mean, he was impressive and he stepped up for Florida time and time again throughout the year. So for him to go out there, um, alongside guys like Ladd McConkey, um, just another prime opportunity for these wide receivers to really just showcase their route tree, showcase what they can do in one-on-one situations. That's a lot of what the NFL has become is can you win your one-on-ones? He certainly can do that. And he's been a, another big name that people have been raving about throughout the entire week. Doing it for the brand, as you say. All right, so this is one of the crazier stories I want to get into because oh, yeah. I think that it's not as much involved with college football, but it does somewhat tie back into it. I don't know if you've heard about the Brad Bohannon scandal. So Brad Bohannon was the head baseball coach at Alabama who yep. was fired last year for his involvement in the gambling with the team. Yeah, or, He wasn't yeah. directly gambling, but he was giving tips to other gamblers, his friends, that basically was then discovered, he was fired, and he was just recently given a 15-year show-cause order, which basically means that, from what I understand, for 15 years, you basically cannot be hired by anyone. If you are, he has to serve a five-year suspension immediately. Mm. So basically, if you're going to hire Brad Bohannon, you can't hire him for five years, is what I understand from that. Yeah, but the it, details it, of this story are yeah, idiotic. I'm going to read this. You know, we do the reading, so you don't have to. So I'm going to do a little reading for you guys. And just listen at this entire situation and realize just how crazy and stupid both of these individuals were throughout this entire process, okay? So it starts with this. Shortly after receiving the electronic messages from Bohannon, the better attempted to place a $100,000 wager on the LSU baseball team at the Bet MGM Sportsbook at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, but the sportsbook staff limited the better to a $15,000 wager. The better then attempted to place additional wagers involving the April 28th Alabama versus LSU baseball game, but the sportsbook staff declined the wagers due to suspicious activity. This suspicious activity included the better's insistent demeanor to get the bet placed and statements to the sportsbook staff that the bet was for sure going to win and if only you guys knew what I knew 
The suspicious activity also included the better showing sportsbook staff messages from Bohannon and explaining that the messages were Bohannon informing better that Alabama was scratching its starting pitcher before the game and before Bohannon alerted LSU. So basically, this guy, his name is Eugene Neff. Eugene. His name is Eugene Neff. There's a name to this individual now. Yes. Even better. He's facing up to 10 years in prison because of what that is. So basically what it was, was him and Bohannon are friends from what I understand. He was texting Brad Bohannon like, hey, what's going on with this game? How are y'all going to do? I'm trying to bet. Brad Bohannon goes, hey, we're benching the starting pitcher. Go ahead and put a bunch on LSU. This guy, other guy, he sucks. We're not going to win. Put the house on LSU. So Eugene Neff then goes and decides, I'm going to put the house on LSU. Tries to make a $150,000 bet. $100,000 bet. On college baseball. <laughs> Sportsbooks say, no, you can't do that. That's crazy. What, what's wrong with you? He goes, no, look, you have to understand. I have evidence that Alabama's going to win. And shows a text from the head coach talking about, yeah, you should bet on LSU because we're benching the pitcher. Eugene Neff might be... One of the biggest dummies. They're both dummies. But yeah, Eugene absolutely fumbled the bag for him and everybody. And the, I, I mean, I would imagine that Bohannon certainly feels some type of way about Eugene and the way they. But first off, why are you texting Eugene about this bet? If it, Like, you know what you're doing is illegal. You know what you're doing is wrong. Why are you leaving a trail, a paper trail of yourself of giving this information? Like, if anything, let's do a phone call. Like, let's have this conversation over a phone call so that there isn't this text message trail so a dum-dum like Eugene can, cannot go, well, do, well, look, Bohannon told me that the pitcher isn't playing, so I need to put my, the house on this. Like, I, both sides were stupid. Like, you don't need to be showing the, the – like, I just don't understand. I, Dude, I really don't. Not only is he in trouble for that, he's facing up to 10 years in federal prison and a fine of no more than $250,000 – for destroying evidence, tampering with witnesses, and providing false statements to the FBI. <laughs> so this guy basically showed, like, outed his friend, got his friend fired, suspended for 15 years, and then when he was testifying and being questioned about that, lied and was tampering with witnesses. I mean, this is a true dumb and dumber type scenario. So where I guess the witnesses in this situation are the the sports betting employees, I would assume? I guess I don't I don't necessarily know I mean, I mean that's basically like the only witnesses I could think of or he could be like hey listen if this person asked you I, I wasn't I was betting. never here he never told me about LSU that someone someone took my phone I mean we don't know what happened but just an absolutely idiotic thing to See, do uh, th this is a prime example of why prize picks needs to be your sports betting home to avoid things like this to avoid trouble so where you could just do it on your phone, get it done real quick, and there you go. You don't have to go through a handler or anything like that. So if you are using prize picks, definitely use promo code Brooks and get that deposit match every single time you use it. Get in on that action. But I mean, to have both, to have the Kayshawn Booty story this happen this week, and then on top of that, you get this Brad Bohannon story as well. I mean, I, I mean, who knows what other stories lie out there that we're going to eventually figure out down the road about this? But again, like. If you if you know what you're doing is illegal, let's just have some smarts about it. Let's like let's maybe study up on situations. I don't know if you, how you study up on situations not, like this, but not even that. I, and, and I want this to be a public address to any athlete or any coach for whatever reason. If you're listening right now, 
these leagues have made it so clear that the most important thing to them, above all else, is maintaining the te- integrity of the game. Yeah. That involves gambling or anything like that. When players gamble, the integrity of the game is then come into question. It hurts the product as a whole. They cannot have that. It's why guys can have guns in their car. They can drink and drive. They can get arrested. They can do pretty outlandish shit to women and still sometimes be employed. We've seen it with Greg Hardy. We've seen it time and time again. We've seen it with the Alabama player that was going 100 miles an hour, had weed and a gun in his car, still on the team. Things like that. You're not going to be as harshly punished for this as you would for gambling. Do I agree with that? No, but that's the way it is. Time and time again, you've seen that. So you would think with all these hardcore punishments and with these leagues, NCAA, NFL, NBA, coming down on and basically saying, this is the this is the number one sin you cannot do. I mean, Calvin Ridley placed like $8,000 worth of bets and got suspended for an entire season. There have been guys that have done a lot worse than that and, and get way less. So... The idea you just had a duck under the mic. Yeah, because I was trying to read the box score. I wanted to see who won the game. I wanted to see oh, if, LSU won the game. Yeah, okay. LSU I, won the game. The, I, bet, I, the bet cash. So I mean, it's good advice. <laughs> but it was a close game, at least. Like when when you're re- like the final score was eight to six LSU. But when you're reading about the situation, I mean, Bohannon is obviously making out like, dude, we're about to get donkey stomped. Like we got no chance in this game. Like I'm giving you a free bet to go cash in, and the final score was eight to six. In fact, let's see. Let's see what the score was there late in the game. Okay, Alabama scored four runs in the ninth inning. So, I, I oh, man, Bohannon had to be sweating bullets there in the last <laughs> inning. Like, All right, guys, that no, was fun. Let's chill out a meth. little bit. Like, come on now. We don't we don't need this win that badly. Like, let's, let's, let's call the dogs off now. All right, we'll give them this one. But, yeah, so the bottom line, if you're involved in any professional or organized sports that you can be gamble on and you play or you coach in them or you referee them, don't gamble. And if you do, don't leave a paper trail. Don't make your username and password your first and last name. Oh, like, boy. there has to be smarter ways to do this if you're going to do it. But I would highly recommend not doing it. You make millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as is. Like, NIL is a thing. Now, you can get paid to play if you're a college athlete. You don't need to be gambling on games, risking the entire career. I mean, is Keyshawn Booty going to have a career after this? No. It doesn't seem like it, no. I mean, Brooks is talking about in the comment section right now, bringing up a great point about how Ray Rice got two games before the video was public. Yeah. But we're seeing these guys get massive suspensions, getting spending time in prison for gambling on sports. I mean, we know it's and it's across multiple leagues. I mean, Pete Rose, for crying out loud, is not in the, in the MLB Hall of Fame mm-hmm. because he gambled on sports. And he was at least betting on himself and his own team to win and do well. But we see the massive amount of effect that these things can have and, like, the massive amount of suspensions that you can have and a 15-year show clause order that you can have attached to your name because of things like this. I mean, eventually it's got to get to the point where everybody agrees it's just not worth it because every single league, every single organization or whoever takes it very, very seriously, more seriously than a lot of other things that probably need more attention and need harsher punishments for. But sports betting is basically the last thing you want to be doing if you're in the sports world, you're an athlete, you're a coach, or whoever. Yeah, dude, just go to blackjack. Go to the craps table. Go to somewhere. Go to a different league. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, if you're an MLB player, surely you can bet on the NBA. Well, you know, LeBron James is getting this deal with DraftKings where um, this coming year he's going to be posting his picks for every single NFL game every single week. I don't think that should be allowed. I think that's pretty crazy to even think about, like, LeBron James posting betting picks. And you want to talk about conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat or whatever about rigging games or whatnot. 
But I mean, I think that that's pretty. But yeah, LeBron James has a is going to have a deal next year with DraftKings where he's picking on NFL. Yeah. Games. So I I don't understand betting on the sport that you play. It seems so stupid. Yeah, it's def- definitely not the brightest thing you can do for sure. But it, and again, though, if you are going to do it, like don't don't make it don't so be obvious. Such an idiot. Yeah. Don't be such a dumb dumb um, about this. So is Chip Kelly just going to leave UCLA on his own terms? This is such a because I mean. Two months ago, we were sitting he, here like... We were talking about he, this man is a dead man walking. He's getting fired at the end of the season. Then he goes and beats USC. Yep. And it kind of just coasted to the end of the season for that. And now he's up for, what is it, the... Uh, the commander's offensive Commander's offensive job. coordinator position. So it's like, is he going to get poached and hired out when halfway through the season last year we were sure he was fired? I mean, Chip Kelly's definitely one of those guys that's just always have reeked of the NFL, right? Like, yeah, he's definitely an NFL guy, but to me it's also like, again, it comes back to this what's going on in college football where you see these guys that are in the NFL, or in college doing well at, at big programs, and now they say, oh, you know, I'm going to go, for, for all extents and purposes, take a demotion at a different league. I think it just goes to show, like, if if you're going to come out and make a statement that, all right, um, Chip Kelly going to be fired if he wins this weekend. We're going to hold off on that. We're not going to do it after he wins a football game. But you better follow through at some point if you're going to make a claim like that because if not, you can't – It's. I mean, that immediately taints a relationship between you and your athletic department or whoever. I mean, you can't come out there and say something like that about your head coach and expect him to just be like, Hey, buddy, we're we're still good, right? Like we were just messing around, we were just having some fun with one another. We weren't being serious. Like we still want you to be here. You ended on a good note. We believe in you, even though we said we wanted to fire you. I mean, I just think there's almost no coming back from that. And so, especially for someone like Chip Kelly, if an offensive coordinating job is going to come open and an organization is interested in him, then I feel like he's going to jump all over that. Yeah, if I'm seeing a couple people in chat ask where Brooks is. So if you're wondering where Brooks is, he's sitting over there right now. He's taking a nap. He's not feeling well, but his family's feeling a lot worse. He decided he was going to get them sick over the week, so he's upstairs taking care of them. And he gave us the keys to the car, and we're just trying to not wreck it right now. Um, if you're in chat, ask some questions to us. We'll answer them. I mean, we're, we're oh, Q&A we don't, session. Yeah, why not, dude? We don't Let's have do anything a else Q&A going section. on. Um, what was the other thing I was going to ask? Oh, Iowa. Yeah, well, is this about the Caden Proctor yeah, stuff? Yeah, so Iowa self-reported a violation of what? Let me look it up. I saw the headline, but I can't remember what it was. I saw it right before we got on the show. But basically what the headline was talking about is that Iowa has come out and self-reported a recruiting violation uh, involving Caden Proctor and the recruitment there, you know, because he transferred in this offseason to go to Iowa. So I guess they self-reported some violation that they committed. It's a self-reporting of a level three tampering violation regarding Caden Proctor. So I don't know what the different levels are. I don't know if it's like level one is basically like you came, you kidnapped and threw me in the back like of the van. Or like you're, <laughs> you're in our team now. But I'd have to assume level three is probably not Send a text bad. message or something. Yeah, I but I would know. also have to assume that if they were self-reporting a level three, it was probably closer to a level two or a one. It's interesting that this is, you know, because everybody knows, and if you don't know, then I don't know where you've been, but everybody knows that tampering happens everywhere, every program, whatever. I mean, it's clear as day that it happens when you got a kid entering the portal next day. Oh, crystal ball to here. This is where he's probably going to end mm-hmm. up. Or even if a kid commits the day after entering the transfer portal, you know what's going on. Right. But I think it's interesting that this is one that's hit the news cycle, and this is one that Iowa feels like they need to self-report because, I mean, everybody knew as soon as Caden Proctor hit the portal. I mean, 
it no one even needed to mention tampering or anything like that. Everybody was like, oh, that kid's definitely going to Iowa. Like, there's no question about it. That kid was going to go to Iowa to begin with until he went to Alabama. And so now that this is happening, definitely going to go to Iowa. So I thought it was really interesting that this is the one of all things that got put in the news cycle and that Iowa's going to self-report. But I guess Iowa's like, we just got to stay keep our nose clean around here. That I don't is know. That is something I've noticed where – if because everyone's breaking the rules nowadays if you're a team and you break the rules and it's kind of like hey shit might hit the fan here go ahead self-report be as compliant as you can be with the ncaa and then be like oh yeah you know you made our job so much easier because obviously the ncaa's job in regarding investigating this shit is hard they're still investigating jim harbaugh for the hamburger situation and they haven't even gotten to the sign stealing which was the scandal of the century it seems like so It takes a while to do these investigations. So if you make their, if you practically do the NCAA's job for you, they're like, ah, all right, slap on the wrist. So that's kind of the way to go. Self-reporting might be the best thing to do when you're going to tamper. Yeah, I mean, we see Georgia do it um, pretty often. They, they, I mean, pretty much right when the offseason hits, you'll kind of hear these rumblings about Georgia's going to self-report quite a few different violations. And it's typically pretty small, minor ones of um, a coach being on the field when he isn't supposed to or things like that or having a phone call with an athlete or whatever. Um, so it's definitely better just to go ahead and get ahead of the game, get ahead of the ball, and um, you know, just go ahead and let her, let the NCAA like, hey, we know we broke some rules. We're gonna go ahead and let you know that we're gonna handle this eternally, whatever. Just you know, probably wouldn't do it the way that Tennessee does it and be loud about it, let everybody know what's going on, and then pull the victim card out when it's like, whoa, what do you mean we're getting in trouble for this after we said that we spent eight million dollars on a five star athlete that nobody was supposed to know about and whatever. So like. Definitely just better to be upfront about it. That's kind of what we've come to learn about all of this is if you're, you know, if you're, if you're kind of having this mutual relationship with the NCAA and you, again, you keep your nose clean, then you're going to be all right. You're probably going to stay out of these massive suspensions or bowl bans or whatever else the NCAA wants to deal out to you. Yeah. I mean, like, like we saw this with Tennessee a couple of years ago with the McDonald's thing, they self-reported a bunch and they still got kind of slapped, but it was yeah. mostly put on one guy and Jeremy Pruitt where it was like, hey, thanks for complying. Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt was a problem. We fired him, so that's not an issue anymore. We don't need any tough suspensions. But looks like we have a first question in the chat. Not college football, but what are your thoughts on the Corbin Burner trade? Um, Zachary Moss, I don't watch baseball like that. Jay, will do you have anything cor- to put on? Did this happen today? I don't know. I, I'm not a baseball I know that guy, my baseball so. buddy sent me a text during this show, um, so I'm assuming that's what he was mentioning to me. But let's you know what? I'll give a quick Google about this. Love it when our audience brings us breaking news. Um, I don't even know. Brewers trade former Cy Young winner Burns to the Orioles. Okay, yeah, that is some pretty substantial news. Um, Corbin Burns definitely one of the top pitchers in Major League Baseball. The Orioles, one of the most exciting teams in all. I mean, the, the, the Orioles were a dumpster fire for the longest time. I mean, a putrid MLB organization, but they got a lot of young talent now. Then you add in a veteran like, um, like um, Corbin Burns, again, a Cy Young winner. Uh, that team is definitely a force to be had um, in the in the AL um, in the AL um, for the MLB. So be, Orioles, a lot to be excited about. That's a big, massive trade um, here, right? As the season is ramping up, that you know the best time of year for sports, inching closer and closer every single day. Do you day. think we ever get to an era in college football where trades become a thing? Hmm. I mean, obviously you have to go revenue split first, pay to play, crazy. trading players in college. I mean, you you somewhat do it now with the tampering that goes on like you know a player's leaving before it happens golly like i don't think i think very rarely are programs sideswiped by someone entering the portal man i 
I don't know if I would ever envision that happening in college football because that would it would get very, very, very messy, especially considering like these are players that you were recruiting in high school. These are players that you were claiming that you wanted. And then like if you were just be like, oh, by the way, you're out of here. We're shipping you off to somewhere that you don't want to go. Yeah, but I mean a program you don't want to be with. And pro- I mean, like, it, there's just way too many factors that play into this uh, for college athletes. Of you can't just tell a player he has to go somewhere. I mean, that's definitely not how it works. It's it, definitely not realistic. But it is interesting to think about how you wake up one day and the starting wide receiver of one team is now just just say like hypothetically, just say you woke up today and was like Georgia trades Gunner Stockton for Caleb Downs. <laughs> like, what the hell would that do to the college football media world? Fleeced. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's the first <laughs> Georgia big. in trouble with QB depth even more now. That's that's what the conversation would be. Yeah, that as fun of a conversation as that is to have, I don't, I pray that we don't ever get in a position where we're freaking trading college athletes. That is kind of funny though to be like, yeah, you know, what? I'm going to play for the University of Georgia, and then you get shipped off. To You're going to Hawaii, buddy. Pack your bags. I mean, Hawaii is not even the worst place you go. I was thinking more like Purdue or Minnesota. Hey, I mean, a couple yeah, dogs, ma- a couple dogs went up to Purdue. I guess it's not that bad. No, or, or Minnesota. Like, imagine being like, I'm going to join one of the most prestigious college football programs in the country. And then 12 months later, you're enacted in a cult. <laughs> like, it's that would be crazy. How are you feeling today, Christian? What is it, elite? Elite. I'm elite it's, coach. That's it. You don't need to say can you not? Can you say I'm not elite coach? I don't know. Mental health is important. So they better be able to yeah, let you I mean, know if I you're feel not feeling like, elite. I feel like a lot of those are just tall tales of PJ Fleck. Like, I feel like you cannot actually get away with punishing someone for being like, hey, how are you feeling? Oh, you didn't say elite? Up downs right now. <laughs> You've got three one hundreds when you get off practice. My gosh, I can't. Oof. That, yeah, I don't know. That was weird stuff going on in Minnesota, I guess. Oh, here's one. Can Branson Robinson have a Chubb esque career? Hmm. I mean, yes. he's certainly on the same like timeline of it a little bit as um, killer as the injury that he had, uh, having to battle back from that. If he can. Return to that form that we saw his true freshman year. I know that this is the NBR hour, but I mean, potentially. I mean, obviously, I, I think we all know that the talent is there. Um, it's just going to be a matter of him rehabbing that injury and getting his feet back under him and getting comfortable back into the flow of the game. The answer is yes, and the answer is no at the same time. Branson Robinson can absolutely come back and be 100% of what he was prior to his injury. He can absolutely be one of the feature backs in this offense, the answer is no in the fact that what you were doing with that offense under Chubb and when you had Sonny Michelle is something that you're never going to see. Net, I'm not going to say never, but not going to see at Georgia football, at least while he's there. The way you ran the ball with Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb, the way you basically lived in that two-back scenario where it was run on first, run on second, throw on third if we have to, you're not going to see that at Georgia football anymore. That's not what Mike Bobo does. That's not what Todd Munkin did. And the offense you can see now is predicated on that. I mean, you've got Carson Beck throwing more than 30 times. What happened, like seven games last year? Yeah. I mean, prior to that, that was a death sentence for Georgia. So, no, you're not going to see Chubb-esque like career from Branson Robinson. He's definitely has the potential to be as healthy as he can be and be a great Georgia running back. But I don't think he's going to be the next Nick Chubb because your offense was completely different when you had Nick Chubb. I got a question for you. I'll throw in a Q&A. Bring it. Who's going to be the worst team in college football next year? I mean, we talk about often. We like, talked about this. Did we talk? We? Did we get to hit on? Yeah, it or I, not? I said Arizona. Uh, Arizona. You really? You think they're going to be that? You think no, I didn't be... say Arizona. I said Virginia. 
Okay. Oh, Virginia. Virginia. That's not they, a bad one. They've been three. They've been three win teams for the last three seasons. They've got the same head coach. I mean, the ACC stinks, but they're still like I. I don't see what's they have the sixty yeah. fifth recruiting class right now. Like things aren't looking up in any way. The one I picked was Arizona State. I think Arizona State has a chance to be very well could be the worst college football program in 2024. I mean, I think that on, on the two deep on both sides of the football, they have like 19 graduate seniors this last year on the roster. Mm -hmm. And then they're going into the transfer portal and they're bringing in, I think it is 28 guys from the transfer portal. The recruiting class ranked like 68th in the country. Not a lot of good stuff going on for Arizona State right now. They're under some coach. Uh, I think the offensive co they got a new offensive coordinator coming in. There's just a lot of things going against the Sun Devils, and they're also you know changing conferences. That's going to play a role in this as well of having to travel and just adjust to the new climate of college football. I think that they are set up for absolute disaster out there at Arizona State, just between the roster, the coaching staff movements, and what they're going to have to go through um, again with the traveling week to week, and just you know getting accustomed to what their new regimen and um, what their new schedule is for college football. I think it's going to be kind of fascinating for me to watch over the next few years. How are the have-nots ever going to be successful again? Like obviously your blue bloods are going to be fine. Your your mid middle of the road schools are going to ascend to a point where they're even better now because they can go in the transfer portal. They can sign NIL players and get more talent. But are the teams that were kind of always just ah eh, we're seven and five are they ever going to be okay again? I, I mean it, it. I feel like more and more there's just teams that just habitually suck. Yeah. More I, than ever. And I might be wrong. And I like Vanderbilt's never been great. You've had teams in the ACC have never been great. Northwestern, Rutgers, they've never been powerhouse programs. But I feel like back in the day, Arizona State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, they used to put out respectable rosters. Is it that they're just going through slumps right now and they can't get hires right? Or is it the fact that if you're a talented player or if someone is a five-star or a four-star or a fringe three-star, they're immediately getting picked up by NIL? Yeah, I, th I think that what's kind of happened with teams like that, the team like teams you just listed off, is you're never going to be consistently good maybe anymore because I mean the trans. Uh, I think the transfer portal both helps you and it hurts you because where it helps you is obviously you can hit for one season and you can have a really successful season to your standards and you can be really good. But we all kind of know what happens with players who end up like if if Virginia Tech finds a three-star in their own state or wherever and nobody and he's on nobody's radar, but Virginia Tech sniffs him out and finds him before anybody else and that kid commits to Virginia Tech, has a stellar true freshman season like all-conference, borderline all-American, up for national awards, whatever – that kid's not going to stay at Virginia Tech, probably. That kid is immediately one of the hottest names in the transfer portal. Teams are going to be tampering. They're going to be saying, hey, how do you like Virginia Tech up there? We see what you're doing. We're respecting what you're doing. How about you consider us this offseason? Maybe we could even help you get further in your career. So while the transfer portal helps Virginia Tech in the sense of they can now find other players who fill out their roster and maybe they could um, build up – I keep using Virginia Tech as an example because that was one you mentioned, but other schools in this realm mm -hmm. of – you can have one successful season but at the same time, like these players that you do hit on, these gems that you find, or what, these diamonds in the rough or whatever. It, I mean, one good season with you, and they're going to get poached by someone else, and they're going to be finishing their college football career elsewhere. Yeah, the rich getting richer. I think that's a good spot to wrap it up for NBR. It's 8.54, and I will be back with the local hour. Don't worry. We still... Right now, yeah, coming right up. Got a whole other hour. Yeah, so don't good worry. Stuff. We'll see you in, what, 60 seconds maybe? Something like that.